0: Jim, 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 Jim. Nathan did a great job finishing up our last series, and we're actually kind of finishing up a series today called Serpents and Doves that we've been sprinkling throughout the year. Uh, we've been sprinkling a sermon here and there on Serpents and Doves throughout the year. Uh, this is the, the final one of those today. Next week we will start a new series sermon, and it's it's going to be really important for Jim to be here. Uh, it's it's on what happens when we're disappointed. If Jim can listen to the sermon, he'll find out. However, uh, I, I do want to say, uh, Brad, wherever you're at, there you are. I did fast. I'm still starving. It was a horrible experience. No. Fasting is really good. I did fast. I didn't do the whole day because that just seemed psychotic to me. <laughs> I did three days. But I, I, I did morning and lunch, so I, I, did, I, I fasted, intentionally fasted breakfast and lunch for three days. I did eat dinner, I did have a snack, but for breakfast and lunch, I took that time and spent that time in prayer, and it was, it was really refreshing to have that, not have to have a need for food. And I didn't drink juice, I, I did drink coffee because, let's face it, that's obviously from God, and we should be <laughs> drinking that, but... but but I did. I did have my coffee, and um, but no sugar. So you know, I wanted to make sure it was, it was clean. But uh, but it is a good it is a good opportunity. I challenge you guys to fast. And here's my fifty cents on the elder thing. I, it's really important because these guys are getting tired and old. That we replace them. <laughs> no, 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 no. Okay, no. Enough joking. I, I'm in a joking mood today. I woke up this morning and I just wanted humor in my life. So I, the elder thing is really important please take the time that's necessary to, to fast or to pray about that and think about the guys' names that you're writing down on that list. Uh, it, it is very important, very, very important for the church and for the future of the church and for the growth of the church that we, we put men in place to help guide us into the future, to help shepherd the community. And for those guys that your names get put up, realize um, there is absolutely no pay. Not here on earth. It is, in some ways, a thankless job. But it is an important job. And it's a very special job. It's a very special opportunity where you get to pour into other people's lives like no one else can. And like no one else ever gets an opportunity to. So it's a very important time and something that we should take very, very seriously and and spend time in prayer and in fasting as much as I don't want to fast. But uh, yeah, I, I, I did hear a comment um, I think it was from one of my children. Uh, me fasting to lose weight was like throwing a deck chair off the Titanic. It wasn't going to make a lot of difference. I think it was Barrett that said that. <sighs> but um, I explained to him that I wasn't fasting to lose weight. It was fasting to focus in prayer. So. But that, there's, there's my 50 cents on fasting and, and the eldership. So today, we want to talk about today what idol worship Today we're going to be in Acts 17, so you can mark your Bibles there, Acts 17. Today we're talking about idol worship. Timothy Keller defines idol worship as it is anything more important to you than God, anything that absorbs your heart and imagination more than God, anything you seek to give you, what only God can give you. I like that last part. It's anything that you seek to give you something that only God can give you. It's kind of a broad statement, and yet at the same time, it's kind of a narrow statement, right? Because God can give us everything, but what is it we really need? At any given time, it's that one important thing that we need. Many of us know the story of the Israelites and the golden calf, right? Raise your hand if you know the story of the Israelites and the golden calf, right? Moses goes up to the mountain to talk to God. While he's gone, he leaves Aaron, his brother, in charge. Well, Aaron's not quite as, um, how should we put it, as uh, well-churched, maybe, or as theological as Moses, or as in touch with God as Moses. And so he begins to panic when the people all get upset and say, hey, we don't have any imagery. Moses is gone. Where's God? We need something that we can worship. And so... What's he do? He collects a bunch of gold and they throw it in the fire and they form the calf. And they get the golden calf. There's a wonderful picture of a golden calf. Yeah. So he gives the people this golden calf so they can direct their worship to that. And God's not amused at all. And he sends Moses back down to deal with this insubordination. I love the part of the story where Moses starts questioning Aaron as to what happened. And Aaron's like, bro, (laughs) we like threw some gold in the fire and this calf just popped out. That's not exactly how he says it, but that's kind of how he paraphrases it. He's like, yeah, we were just like, you know, hey, God, we need something to worship. Ching, look what came out of the fire. Must be from God, right? Moses is like, you gotta be kidding. me." It it reminds me, that part of the story always reminds me of like with my kids, you know? You come home and, and somebody broke the mirror who broke the mirror? <laughs> Funny story, Dad. <laughs> we were walking by and it was broken. Or, or my personal favorite story, what mirror? Oh, there's a mirror there? That, that mirror's been broken ever since we've had it. I just look at him like, you think I'm that stupid? Yeah, your mom and I, we went out to Ikea and bought a broken mirror because we thought, hey, let's have a metaphor in our lives to show us the shattered brokenness that we live in. My favorite, though, one is, is Remington. It must have been, like, I don't know, like two, maybe. And we were, we were, Sandra and I were pretty destitute at the time. We were living in a trailer behind my dad's office. We were the so-called security guards. Give us a free place to live. That's what it was. And so in the mornings, he'd get up, <clears throat> get out of the trailer, and he'd walk into Grandma and Papa's office. And they'd be in there working. You know, they'd have the office staff in there working. And, and, um, and he'd play in there and stuff. And one day, I get home from work, and my dad goes, we have to talk to your son. we got to talk about something. I said, what? Just come here and look down the wall. Down the wall, one of the hallways, <laughs> red pencil marks everywhere. Some some makeshift words written on the wall. So we call Remington over, and we say, hey, did you do this? Nope. Remington, we know you did this. Nope. The dog did it. The dog said, you're going, Dude. But we get like that, right? We, we realize when things happen and, and we, we messed up, we're like, ah, no, 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 that's not what I meant to happen or meant to say or meant to do. And, and I can't help but feel for Aaron in this situation, right? This is, this is something that has happened. you know, he, he realizes as soon as Moses gets back, this is a bad thing. And he wants to kind of cover his tracks. But the problem with this story isn't, is not the calf right it's 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 not Aaron's little white lie that's not really the problem with the story the problem with the story is the fact that he made an image to worship he made an idol he made an object that the people knew and and so they could associate it with God And this is not what God wants God didn't need an idol. He didn't need a golden calf to represent him. So God sits down with Moses and says, we're going to nip this in the bud right now. We're going to put an end to this. No idol worship. You worship me and me only. No, we're not going to do this stuff. Now, see, right then and there with Aaron and Moses and God, they solved this situation for mankind. For all time. And we progress forward to 2019. We don't have idol worship anymore, right? It's all gone. Definitely not in the church, right? It might surprise some of us that idol worship is still around. It's taken on some new forms. And one of the interesting things about idol worship is that we don't always see it in our lives. Let's take a look at what Paul says about idol worship. He runs into it in Athens. In Acts 17, starting in verse 16, Paul runs into idols. Idols meant to worship not just different gods, but a god that people didn't even know. Acts chapter 17, verse 16 says, Now while Paul was waiting for them in Athens, his, his spirit was provoked within him as he saw the city was full of idols. So he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and the devout persons and in the marketplace every day with those who happened to be there. Some of the Pecurean and the Stoic philosophers also conversed with him. And some said, what does this babbler wish to say? Others said, he seems to be a preacher of foreign divinities because he was preaching Jesus and the resurrection. And they took him and they brought him to the Arabicus saying, May we know what this new teaching is that you are presenting. For you bring some strange things to our ears. We wish to know, therefore, what these things mean. Now, all the Athenians and the foreigners who lived there would spend their time in, in nothing except telling or hearing something new. This was a cultural center for the exchange of knowledge. It was important to them. So Paul, standing in the midst of the Areopagus, The times of ignorance, God, the times of ignorance God overlooked. but now he commands all people everywhere to repent, because he has fixed a day on which he will judge the world and righteousness by a man whom he has appointed. And of this he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. Now when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked, but others said, We will hear you again about this. So Paul went out from their midst. But some men joined him and believed, among whom also were Dionys and Erbaget and a woman named Damaris and others with them. See, in Athens, Paul saw all these idols the people worshipped. He saw all these statues. And he was greatly distressed. These statues were standing between the people and God. And Paul wanted them removed. He wanted them gone. Now we tend to think, when I say the word idols, we tend to think of things in our mind. We tend to think of that golden calf picture. Or, I don't know, like a a golden statue or maybe a bronze statue. or, Or perhaps a marble statue of a God. Uh, A lot of things that pop into my head is a marble statue with no arms because that seems to be the hardest part for the artist to make is the arms. That was was a joke. But these statues are standing between the people and God. And that's what we tend to think of as, as these statues. But society has been full of idols. And a lot of idols that we have nowadays are not idols that we necessarily see. In the past, society has given us idols like kings and queens, governments, armies, swords, poverty, poetry, songs. These have all been idolized by people and by society. I mean, we even, in our current culture, we even go as far as right, having a TV show called what? American Idol we idolize somebody for their gifts, their abilities to sing. For us today, it gets even more obscure. We lose all essence of physical forms in some of our idols. We have idols of security, idols of wealth, idols of beauty, idols of professional success. How about athletic achievement? just a few idols that we have in our lives that we come encounter with every single day. Sometimes we're able to recognize these idols and we're able to see them and remove them from our own lives. At least I hope so. I hope and I pray that we recognize these and that we confront these idols when they're addressed in our families or when they're addressed in our own lives and we begin to turn away from God and we begin to put our trust in these idols the question remains, do we see idols in the world and do they cause us distress? Because remember, the scripture says, like Paul, he moved through there and his spirit was moved to distress because of the idols. It's like the song that Jim had us sing, two songs before I got up, Freely, Freely. There's a command in Freely, Freely to go and share. To go and share that which we were given freely. And this becomes the question Do we share that freely? Because if we're freely sharing that love that was given to us freely, when we see others suffering, when we see others focused on idol worship, separating themselves from God, it should distress us. When we do this, though, we should remember verse 22. Paul does not begin by attacking everything his listeners believe. Instead, he acknowledges the fact that they're religious, that they believe in something. He finds something where they can start to build from. Personally, in my life, I have I, I've struggled with finding that people aren't religious about something seems like everybody worships something. It just seems like they need to choose what they want to worship. And sometimes what they choose to worship is really, really bad. I've met people who have said they're not religious and that they don't worship anything. But in their life, there is an idol that they worship, whatever that idol might be. So the question when we approach them has to be, are you worshiping God? Is that where you're spending your time? Are you worshiping God? The question for ourselves are is always, are we worshiping God? Or are we fixed on something else that's trying to satisfy our emptiness? Something that's trying to satisfy that which is broken within us. See, because sin comes along into life, and it comes along into everybody's life. I don't care who's sitting in here. We've all sinned, and we probably all sinned, maybe even this morning all come in contact with sin all the time. And sin comes into our lives, and it leaves a hole inside of us. And each of us, that if we leave it alone, and we leave it unchecked, it gets to be like a cavity. It just begins to eat away at us, piece by piece, until we become devoured. It causes us to look for something to fill that void because that void hurts. It becomes sensitive. We become sensitive about what's hurting us. We begin to look for something to fill the void and to to erase the pain and to ease us through the troubled times. And the only thing that can really save us is Jesus. God is the only thing worthy of our worship because He's the only thing that can fix the brokenness and the emptiness that we struggle with. It makes no difference what sin you have followed. It makes no difference what sin you've put into your heart. The false God that you follow will destroy you. What idol you thought would bring you satisfaction, and ease of pain in your life will fail always, over and over and over. We have a world full of addicts, a world full of mental health issues. It proves this over and over and over. We have people all across this country that are hurting so much that they take the lives of other people they take their own lives, that they hurt the ones that they love, that they fall into sin and woe, they fall into addiction over and over and over, trying to bury those things in their lives, because they don't understand that the only thing that's going to fix that is Jesus. So I bet most of us in here, we probably have a pretty good grasp of that. We probably have a pretty good idea of how that works. But the question for us becomes, what are we worshiping? Because if we're worshiping God, the God that freed us from that addiction, or freed us from that pain, freed us from that sin, freed us from that life of destruction, are we in turn sharing that? Are we in turn looking at the world when they idolize something else other than God and go, no, no, it's not funny that you think that alcohol will fix your problems. It's not funny that you think whatever is separating you from God is going to fix your problems. We've all gazed upon idols at different times in our lives and and we've asked them to give us strength, to give us focus, to give us forgiveness, to give us peace, to give us success. Maybe not in those words, but we've asked them for something. This is what idols can't do. They can't do any of that. The only thing an idol can do is get in the way. And as Christians, we should be repulsed by the idols that we see in this world. We should be repulsed by the things that we see getting in the way. Like one person downstairs said, where are we going to put our value this morning? There's five new programs coming out on Netflix. How important are those? How important is it to binge watch those things? How important are our idols that we have in that wonderful sport that we call football? How important are the idols that we create in our teams? How important are the idols that we create out of our wives or our husbands? Right? These things get in the way between us and our relationship with God and we allow them to get in there and we allow them to not repulse us. Today is a new day though. Today is the day that Jesus says, remove those idols from your life. Help your brother remove those idols from his life. Don't have idols in the way. Remove them. Now, I don't know the hearts of anybody here, but perhaps you've come and you're visiting and this is your first time and you've not ever heard this message. Maybe you don't know who Jesus is. Maybe you don't know how to remove those idols in your life. That's a fair question. I'd love the opportunity to answer that question. Nathan would love the opportunity to answer that question. I would hope that 90% of us here would love the opportunity to answer that question for you and to help you take those steps to living a life where it's dedicated towards Christ. But Perhaps you're like me, been a Christian for a long time, a long time, and begin to reflect back on the idols that I the times, the things that I let get in the way, like dinner separating me from my fast. But perhaps it is food. For some people, perhaps it is food. There's something that separates you from God. If there is something that is separating you, don't don't walk out of here with that. Get rid of that. Come and talk to somebody. A lot of us would love to pray with you. Get that off your chest. Remove that sin from your life. Walk a new life with Christ. Perhaps you're just hurt because you've looked at your neighbor or you've looked at your friends or your family or your coworkers and for years you've watched them have idols and you say, well, at least I don't have those idols. But you weren't repulsed like Paul was. You didn't step up to the bat to break down those idols and say, you don't need these and help them remove those idols. If you need the prayers of this congregation in any way, why don't you come talk to one of us while we sing. One of the stamp, please. I've been redeemed.